1208. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Welcome to winter in Wisconsin. We had that two-week stretch of unseasonably cold and then a couple days of warmth. I thought it was pretty nice this morning. Go out to take the dog for a walk, 50 degrees, a little bit of moisture in the air, but that's okay. Then, as Eric was just telling you, it's going to crash. We're going to go down to, like, zero at night. But then the interesting thing is, if you look at the 10-day forecast, by the end of next week, it's supposed to be up in the 30s and 40s again. So... Um, I'll take it. That gets us halfway through January, and that's okay. Spring is on the horizon. We start off today's show like we start off every show, three big things. Let's start off today with a local story. Now, as I was saying to Steve and to Eric earlier, Wagner's Rule of Life number four, and believe me, it is a rule to live by. Unless you are a porn star, and maybe even then, it is never, ever, ever a good idea to take a nude photograph of yourself. I mean, the reality is nothing good comes of this. You can ask lots and lots of people about that, which brings me to the story. Maybe it's been reported elsewhere. I happen to see it on Fox 6. Here, here's the deal. A fort, and this is the way they report it. A nude selfie could land two 14-year-old West Dallas high school students in legal trouble. The girl involved is accused of sharing a photo of her bare chest with her boyfriend. Just days before Christmas break, they say winter break, but it's Christmas break. Just days before Christmas break, the mother of a student at Nathan Hale High School says she received an alarming call from administrators. She was told, quote, your daughter is sending pictures to another boy in the school. He was caught showing the picture to someone. We're going to expel her and she could be facing criminal charges for distribution of child pornography, said the mother. Mother said she was not allowed to view the photo in question, but was told by the staff that it was a nude photo of a female's chest. The male student who received it was who received it said it was sent to it was sent by her daughter via the social media app Snapchat. I found out he is going to get charged with receiving child pornography and distribution for showing a friend, which to me is silly as well, said the mother. The mother said the two 14-year-olds must now appear in juvenile court. The laws on the books allow for prosecutors to have discretion in these types of cases as a local defense attorney. These kind of incidents are becoming increasingly common. Um, the mother says that's why she wanted to speak out. She wants her daughter's peers and parents to know that sexting can have serious consequences. She says, however, it's ridiculous that a kid can get their future jeopardized for something as minor as this. Uh, legislatures have amended the law somewhat in recent years, making it a misdemeanor as opposed to a felony offense if a teen is caught exposing him or herself to another teen in a photo. However, it is still a felony to possess a nude photo of someone under 18, even if the recipient of the picture is also under age. Huh. All right. So let's back up and try to figure out in the real world what happens here. 14 years old, I assume you've got two freshmen, and I assume they are boyfriend and girlfriend. The girlfriend, the girl, the 14-year-old, takes a topless photograph of herself. Bad judgment. She's 14 years old. She sends it off to the boy. The boy gets it. He's 14. Bad judgment. He shows it to his buddy. All right? Somehow the school administrators become involved, and they are talking charges of receiving child pornography, sending indecent photos, expelling the kids, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, I understand leading into this that you may disagree with me. 
All right. And nothing I am about to say in this conversation is to endorse what happened here. Clearly bad judgment. No question about it. 14-year-old girl shouldn't have taken this photo. She shouldn't have sent it off to her boyfriend. He shouldn't have showed it to somebody. Okay? I, I, I get all that. I understand all that. But you know what? These laws are what they're intended to do is deal with child predators. They're intended to deal with the creepy guys that are enticing the girls to take nude photographs and then um, trying to you know, profit in some way or get some sort of gratification from them. These laws regarding this were never, ever, ever, in my opinion, intended to deal with the 14-year-old girl and the 14-year-old boy who are interacting in a way that is not good, but nevertheless, it's what sometimes 14-year-old boys and girls do. 414-799-1620. I think it is ridiculous that the girl is scheduled to be expelled. If the boy is scheduled to be expelled, I think it is ridiculous. And I think it is even more ridiculous that in a case like this, You've got the district attorney's office that, for God's sake, looks the other way. You can steal 20 cars, and, you know, you're not going to get waved into adult court. I think it is ridiculous that we are spending court resources trying to go after a 14-year-old girl who takes this photo and sends it off to her 14-year-old boyfriend. And again, nothing is in, no, I'm saying is endorsing this. If I was the mother of the girl, I would be mad, as you know what, at my daughter. I'd be giving her a stern talking to. I'd be taking that cell phone away. The boy's parents, probably the same thing. But do the kids need to be thrown out of school? Do the kids need to be dragged into the juvenile justice system? Or is this a waste of resources? I think waste of resources. Surely John Chisholm has better things to do with himself than this. Surely school administrators have better things to do with themselves than this. Don't they? 414-799-1620. Let's start with Chris in Slinger. Chris, you're first. Good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Hi, Chris. Uh, hi. Uh, so, yeah, this is pretty ridiculous. Obviously, a rash of horrible decisions here right. by the two involved. Yeah, but they're 14 but, years old. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. The, these these kinds of things happen. It's You know, I'm sure you could compare this to something like a freshman would do in the 80s. It's equivalently as bad. We didn't have phones back right, then. Right, but, but you had like, the Polaroid camera. So somebody yeah, takes, yeah. you know, you didn't have the cell phone, but somebody does that. The 14-year-old girl poses for her 14-year-old boyfriend. They take the little Polaroid picture, and he shows it to somebody. And it, then it gets passed around or it, whatever. Exactly. Bad stuff. Nobody should have done it. But are you going to throw somebody – are you going to have them labeled as sex predators or have them a judge delinquent or, or prosecute them for possession of child pornography? It's nuts. Uh, it is absolutely crazy. I, I can't even believe that it's even being considered. You almost you just want to – what's even in the mind of the administrators and the people that are even thinking that? It's just – it's almost like they're living in a different world. I totally agree with you. Complete waste resources. I don't know what the punishment should be, but absolutely not that. No, well, thanks for – I mean, I guess – and I, I just don't – I mean, I guess if he's if he's showing it to the picture on school grounds, all right, is that a basis to expel him? I, I don't I don't know. I don't even know there. You, look, you, you this is this is how in a common sense real world you handle this. At least in my opinion, you you whistle the parents in. You say, look, this is what we found. This is what was going on here. This is what she did. This is what he did. You probably need to talk to him, and then you just leave it at that, don't you? 
am I underreacting to this? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, it, it it's stupid. There's no question about it. It's stupid. It is embarrassing. They shouldn't have done it. But is it we're going to toss you out of school and we're going to send you to court? Really? 414-799-1620. How do you handle a situation like this? And and if this was your kid, I guess that's the way to look at it. This particular mother is going public because she thinks this is an overreaction. Sometimes, sometimes I think parents refuse to acknowledge when their kids have done bad things. I don't know that this is one of these situations. 414-799-1620. We continue the conversation next. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 1217. This is Jeff Wagner. 1220, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Look, if my, my niece is now 19, but if, if my niece had, had done something like this when she was a freshman at Pewaukee High School, I, I, I think we would have all been extremely disappointed. We would have all been extremely mad at her. Um, no question about it. But but the idea, you've got a 14-year-old kid, freshman in high school, Nathan Hale. She takes a topless photo of herself, sends it to her boyfriend. He's a 14-year-old boy. He shows it to somebody else. Okay, now they're talking about, you know, judging these kids delinquent, you know, maybe treating as a felony for possession of child pornography, throwing them out of school. Really? Come on. Bring the mom and dad in. Tell them what they did. Tell them that this is wrong. Take the phones away and then move on. Really? Let's talk to Carrie in Beaver Dam. You're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi. What do you think? Yeah, I think that this is terrible. It's being blown out of proportion. They're treating a mistake as a crime. And I think that we need to look at the value system and judge things appropriately. Well, well, yeah. I mean, I, and I, I mean, I don't want anybody to hear our conversation, Carrie, and think that I, I'm in favor of child pornography. No, but, but not that's, at all. but this is, the, you know, the, the types of statutes that they're talking about and using. Again, were intended for the guys that are exploiting the 14-year-old girls and they're seducing them or enticing them to take the pictures and they're paying them and then they're trying to sell them for profit. This was yeah. never intended to deal with the interactions between a 14-year-old you know, boyfriend and girlfriend who have yeah. done a dumb thing. Yeah, they did a dumb, it was a mistake, we've all made them and it should be handled that way. Right, exactly. I mean, th- thanks for, you, you, and again, you, I mean, I, I sit there and I, I wonder, you know, how would you, is this worse than, let, let's say you have a situation where the, how can I put this nicely, the 14-year-old boy and girl are playing doctor. You know, that, that, that's it. They're, they're heavy petting in the basement of, you know, one of the houses when the parents aren't home and somebody comes home and catches them. Okay? I mean, would, would that be, would we say that that's going to be a felony, that they're going to get expo- expelled from school and that, you know, we're going to have them, we're going to charge them, you know, with various forms of sexual assault? Or would we say, hey, look, this is bad, bad things can happen to this, this is inappropriate? Fine. I mean, it, it's almost like this her sending the photo and him showing it to somebody, it's almost like they're treating this as if it's even worse than, say, the people were actually, I don't know, involved in some heavy petting or something. It, it's all bad. It's, it's all bad. It needs to be discouraged. But does the criminal justice system have to get involved in something like this? And, and what about the school administrators? You're going to expel the kids? Really? All right, just... You've told the parents, let them deal with it. But again, this is this easy. It's easier, I guess, to deal with it this way and just to kind of wash your hands of it. Give me a break. Pam and Grafton. Pam, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, this is Pam. Hi, Pam. Um, I am, I'm listening to you, and 
I really agree with you that expelling them, taking away their education, is absurd. Mm-hmm. Accomplishes absolutely nothing. And holding them to adult statues is absurd. But I do agree that I do think they should have some sort of punishment that comes externally, not just dealing with their parents. Because every parent has a different set of values, you know, that every parent handles it differently. But they need to feel some repercussion. I don't know exactly what it is to understand the gravity. Maybe they talk to a counselor. Maybe they talk to a police detective in a nice way. Absolutely no court, no anything like that. But there needs to be some kind of repercussion so they understand the gravity of what happened. Let me let me change the facts just a little, Pam. Let's say that this is not a photograph case. Let's say this is a situation where the two of them are caught in a public park after hours, heavy petting. Okay, um, yep. would would you would you say the same thing? You know, I then think Ma- I, I think I would. Mm-hmm. I think I would. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. I mean, I guess. I, look. I. I. You know. All the consequences are, are are going to be different. I mean, the problem is, I don't know that you get them. You can't get them into the the court system unless you end up issuing charges. I guess I look at something like this, and if it really is as simple as. The girl, she thinks she's in love. The boy thinks she's in love. He's there in love. He, she sends him this photograph, and you know he gets it. If it's really something as straightforward like that as that, I'm sorry, I just don't think this is a matter for the criminal justice system to get involved with, and I don't think this is a matter that you toss the kids out of school for. I, I just, I, I just don't. Is it bad? Now, you know, Pam was saying, well, different parents have different sets of consequences. Well, oh, okay, but I, I mean. I think any parent is going to be unhappy with this particular type of behavior, and there is going to be a, a degree of, I think, public shaming now, because I have no doubt that everybody at Nathan Hale probably knows who the kids are that are involved with this, and and it's a bad idea. I, I don't want to get anybody to think I'm encouraging this, but at the same time, you need to have some sense of proportionality. My God, you can steal... You can steal cars. You can stick guns in people's faces when you're 14 years old, and nothing's going to happen to you. But in this situation, we're going to talk about, I don't know, getting the kids with some sort of criminal record? Come on. All right, big story number two is coming up. If I were President Trump, I would not sit down and answer questions from the special counsel. What should he do? And what will be the fallout from some of his decisions? We'll discuss all that in just a minute. It's 1226. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1228, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. All right. Let me go over a couple legal principles. There's some, it's not even legal advice. There's some comments from a republic, from a um, recovering attorney. People don't know this, but with one exception, I'm about to talk about, I'll talk about in just a minute. You do not have to talk to the police. You know, if the FBI comes knocking on your door or the police ask you questions, you get stopped. You do not have to answer those questions. If you do answer the questions and you say something that is untrue, you can be charged with a crime. You know, lying to the FBI. That's what they, they get people for all the time. Or lying to the police. You know, um, you, you can be charged with a crime under many circumstances. You do not have to say things. And you don't have to be told that you are under investigation. You don't have to be told that you're a target. You don't have to be read Miranda rights, for example, and told that you have a right to remain silent unless you're in custody. That's why people don't realize this. When, when they get stopped for speeding, 
Have you ever been stopped for speed? Eric Bilstead, have you ever been stopped for speeding? Sure. You've been stopped for speeding. What is the first thing the police officer says to you when you're stopped for speeding? Do you know? Uh, do you know how much or how fast you were going? Do you know how fast you were going? And what happened? What do most people say? Most people then say, yeah, I was in a hurry. You know, I was trying to get to work or whatever. I was going 75. Mm-hmm. And you know what the police officer does with that? They put that down. They write that down on the back of the ticket. That is the statement. And that is an admission that you made against interest. So if later on you want to challenge the ticket, for example, the first thing the police officer say was, well, I asked Mr. Bilstad how fast he was going, and he acknowledged that he was going, you know, 22 miles an hour over the speed limit. That's what they do. That is a conf- – and it's perfectly legal. It's perfectly appropriate. You were not in custody, so you didn't have to be told of your rights, but you made what is described as a voluntary statement, and it can and will be used uh, against you. Boom. So that's just the way it works. 1236, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Yeah, in uh, in the 1 o'clock hour, we're going to talk about this story involving Sam's Club. Uh, Sam's Club, which, of course, were the, the discount Walmart thing um, that really, I think, thought for years and years have been a license to print money. They are massive closings of Sam's Clubs all across the country. The number I was looking at at Business Insider said at least 260. Some were closed with no notice to the employees today. It's just like, don't don't bother coming in. They think that there's thousands and thousands of people getting laid off. Um, West Alice is one where there was the closure. We're going to talk about it during the 1 o'clock hour. If you want to read more and get some links, um, we've got a link to our story that we have on our website. If you simply text the word SAMS, S-A-M-S, no apostrophe. I know Sam's Club has an apostrophe, but if you just say S-A-M-S, see, I always have to say that because I get I get retired grammar teachers who send me lengthy emails correcting my grammar, which is fine, fine, fine. S-A-M-S, SAMS, I will send you a link to the story. We're going to be discussing it in more detail during the one o'clock hour. But that's uh, that's interesting. That's interesting news. I was at, I was at Costco. I don't belong to Sam's Club, but um, I do through my wife belong to Costco, and we bought a lot of stuff at Costco last weekend. It's amazing. You gotta just go there and wander through it. Um, all right, it, let, let's back up. Big story number two: Trump and, and Robert Mueller. As I was explaining. Um, as a general rule, you do not have to cooperate with the police. You know, you don't have to answer questions. You, you don't. You can't obstruct justice, but you don't have to answer questions. Um, as a general rule, if you answer questions, what you say can be used to, against you. That's like I was saying the example. Every police officer that does speeding enforcement, the first question they ask you is, "Do you know how fast you're going?" People say, "Ah, gee, I'm sorry, officer. I was speeding. I know I was going 75." They will write that down. That is an admission against interest. That if you decide to contest the ticket, you know, you want to go to trial, that will be used against you. Well, when I interviewed Mr. Wagner, he told me he knew I was going 20 miles an hour over the limit. Okay, well, you you have just confessed to that. If you say things. If you sit down with an FBI agent or a Milwaukee police officer or a county sheriff or whatever, and you lie to them, I mean, knowing and intentionally, you know, deceive, um, not if you say something that turns out necessarily to be wrong, but you thought it was right at the time, but if you intentionally lie to them, if you make a knowingly false statement, you, know, you can be charged with a crime. It is a felony, as a general rule, to, to do that. So if you you don't have to talk, but if you do talk and you lie, you can be in trouble. Um, You cannot be compelled to to give statements with the exception of like in federal court. 
um, you can be given a subpoena to appear before the grand jury. All right. And then, you know, you can be asked questions by the assistant U.S. attorney or the special counsel or his representatives or the grand jurors. Um, even at that at that point in time, once you have been subpoenaed to testify, you have an obligation then to answer the questions, except you can assert your Fifth Amendment right to self-incrimination. You can say, I'm you know, I'm, I'm concerned that if you know any answer I would give would incriminate me. So I'm not going to talk. At that point in time, you know, once you exercise your the fit, once you use the Fifth Amendment, you cannot be compelled to testify unless you are then given immunity. I mean, if they bring you in and you get immunity, um, then you have to testify, or else you're held in contempt. That's um, it, it, that, that's kind of a complicated procedure. When I was doing this, sometimes mobsters would do that. They would say, "Okay, we're we're not going to cooperate. We're going to take the fifth. And then you go and you give them immunity, and then they refuse to still answer, and then they get held in contempt, and they sit in jail. But but that's kind of the, the parameters of this. All right, so you've got the special counsel, Robert Mueller, who is investigating ties and connections Donald between the Trump campaign and Trump intimates with, you know, Russia. All right, obviously one of the elements, at some point in time, Mueller is going to want to talk to the president going to want to talk to Trump. And apparently right now there's a dialogue going on between people in special counsel's office and Trump's attorney saying, can we, can we make arrangements to have the president sit down and answer questions? Um, the president is declining to say whether he would sit for an interview. Now, here's what would happen during an interview. Anything that the president would say would be on the record. So if the president said things which turned out to be materially untrue, he could then be prosecuted, even if, even if he, what he's talking about isn't a crime, if he's made materially false statements to the investigators, regardless of whether he's under oath or not, um, he, he could potentially be charged with a crime which could lead to impeachment, all right? Um, if he agrees to do it and he agrees to answer questions, that is the risk. If he says he's not going to answer questions, he's not going to voluntarily cooperate, then what the special counsel could do is could issue him a subpoena to appear before a grand jury, which would set off a whole constitutional this would this would drag this thing off for another two years because undoubtedly the the Trump team would say you cannot subpoena um, a sitting president to appear before a grand jury and, and you'd have a case that would end up in the Supreme Court you know one way or the other trying to decide it there is however a political you know equation too how does it look what happens if the special counsel says I want to talk to the president and the president is refusing to answer questions under on under oath or on the record or whatever. Does that make Trump's presidency untenable? 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. If I were President Trump, there's no way that I would sit and answer questions from the special counsel. Not necessarily because I believe that President Trump did anything illegal in connection with Russia. Matter of fact, I don't think there's any sort of smoking gun. But at the same time, you know, engaging in a battle of wits with federal prosecutors, I think, leaves the door wide open to later on, even if you didn't do anything wrong um, at 
in the underlying investigation to having whatever you say parsed to determine, you know, whether or not did you lie to the investigator? Is this a grounds for impeachment? So, I mean, I just think it would be, number one, incredibly risky for Trump to do that. And number two, I, I don't really think that there would be that much fallout. I mean, given given the hyper-political nature of what is going on today, I don't think – I. First of all, I don't think there's anything that President Trump could do or say that would convince the people who hate President Trump that he's not a crook. Similarly, I think a lot of the people that support him wouldn't would say, gee, we understand why he doesn't want to sit down with the special prosecutor. We think this is potentially a witch hunt. Why would you, you know, expose yourself in this fashion? So I don't think he should. I don't think he's going to. And if he decides not to, I don't think there's going to be any real political fallout. Uh, Again, the people that support him aren't going to not support him over this issue. 414-799-1620, that is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Do you think, whether it's because of political reasons or otherwise, that President Trump should sit down and answer questions from the special prosecutor. 414-799-1620. I think even if he's done absolutely nothing wrong, he would be crazy to do that. We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 1244, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1247, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Matt on the south side. Hi, Matt. Matt. Hello. Hi, Matt. Hey. I've got two questions for you. Uh, a couple of double standards. I am totally, yes, he should uh, go in front of him for the wrong reason. You know his lawyers are going to coach him. They're going to talk to him and say what he has needs to say. And I'm no lawyer. I'm far from a lawyer. But i got a question for you. Is this, what if Hillary Clinton gets in front of a, a committee, the Hillary committee against Hillary Clinton? How's, how's that going to play out? Do you think she, she, she should go in front of a border? What do you think about that? Well, I, I'll tell you, I think... That if I were an attorney advising, if Hillary Clinton were the subject of a criminal investigation, a special counsel that's got this wide-ranging net that's investigating all sorts of business dealings and activities, um, yeah, I I would say to Hillary Clinton, yeah, I I don't think, if I were the attorney advising her, I'd say I wouldn't answer questions. Um, because, again, you don't know what it is that they have. You don't know what it is that they are looking for. You don't know what the angle is. And in many cases, no matter how well you can be coached, you, you don't know. So let's say you're under oath. And, you know, they pull out some check that you wrote three years ago. Now, who knows what the scope of the investigation is? Or they ask you, gee, about some phone conversation that you had two years ago, and you don't remember the full nature of it. And then you start answering the question, and you give an inaccurate question answer that turns out to be false later on. Well, now you've subjected yourself to potential criminal penalties, even if the underlying event that you were talking about wasn't a crime. You know, but but if you've made a materially false statement about it and you can say, well, okay, I I didn't really recall the whole thing. But no, I mean, I this is just basic lawyering 101 um, that that you would advise. And, yeah, I'd advise Hillary Clinton the same way I'd advise, you know, President Trump of that. Now, what the Trump folks are going to undoubtedly do is they're going to try to say, look, we won't answer questions. We're not going to allow you to sit down and just ask any questions that you want. If you want to submit questions in writing. Yes, then we will give you written answers to them. And that's not, I think, going to be acceptable to the special counsel. But, I mean, this is, I, I think, 
see, I think Trump could get away with this. I, I, I do. There'd be a lot of people out there, and the arg- I get the argument. The argument is, if you've got nothing to hide, why don't you just answer the questions? And, and on a superficial level, I understand why that is appealing. At the same time, let us say that I am representing you, and you're being investigated. You don't even know what you're being investigated for. You know that there's a team of FBI agents and special prosecutors, many of whom don't like you, that are out there looking into your family, your friends, or whatever. You know, would would you just sit there and say, okay, well, I don't think I've done anything wrong. I'm going to sit down for an interview without knowing what the parameters are. And then the first question out of the box is, okay, Gru, who's producing the show today and always, I want to talk to you about a meeting that you had on March 14th, 2014. And you look and you say, gee, I don't even remember a March 14th interview. Oh, okay, well, remember you were in this hotel room with such and such and such and such, and it's just off to the races. I'm just saying if I were President Trump, I would not be answering these particular questions. And if he takes that route, it doesn't necessarily mean that he has something to hide. I will be surprised if he agrees to answer questions. Now, he, one of the things with President Trump is he believes that he is the smartest guy in the room. And he might want to rise to the level of saying, here, I, I, I'd love to sit and match wits with, the, you know, these investigators. Um, people who think they're the smartest guy in the room and like to match wits with federal prosecutors and investigators, generally speaking, that doesn't work out very well. Back in the day when I was chasing bad guys, I always loved it when people decided, oh, we're smarter than Jeff. Here, what we'll do is we, we can, you know, we can get around this stuff. And you know, and maybe they might have been smarter, but you know, I, again, that's never, I think, a very good strategy. What I think is going to happen, and this is the way it's going to play out, is the Mueller people will demand an interview with President Trump. President Trump will say, "I got nothing to hide. This is a witch hunt." And based on my attorney's advice, they are telling me, you know, not to, you know, sit down with a broad interview. I'll answer questions. That won't be good enough. And then the question becomes, does Mueller subpoena him for the grand jury or not, which would set off a, a constitutional, I don't want to say crisis, but that would set off a huge constitutional issue. Big story number three is coming up. Hey, if you're used to getting your sev- your Slurpees at 7-Eleven, might be, the line might be a little bit longer today. Stick around. 1252, Jeff Wagner. It's 1255, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. I don't recall the last time I have been in a 7-Eleven store. I actually, during the break, I asked my producer, Gru, I said, do we even have 7-Elevens around here? And we do. I guess there's a, you know, there's one on right North Avenue. I, I recognize that. And I guess when I go to convenience stores, I, I think of around here. I think of going like to quick trips or, or things like that, speedways, some of the gas stations. But, you know, 7-Eleven, prominent national brand, perhaps most famous for their their 7-Eleven Slurpees. You know, that's, that's great. All right. What happened uh, yesterday is immigration agents descended um, before daybreak on 98 different 7-Eleven stores in 17 different states, ranging from California to Florida and everywhere in between. What they were looking for is they were looking for people that 7-Elevens were employing who were in this country illegally you know, un, undocumented, um, you know, folks. Um, 7-Elevens apparently had, had gotten, uh, back in t- <coughs> back in 2013, um, 
7-Elevens were subject to an investigation in New York and in Virginia. And what they found was there were a number of franchisees, and these are all franchises. There were franchisees who were employing undocumented workers. Several of those people pled guilty, forfeited their franchises, and have had to pay millions of dollars in back wages owed to the the workers. Um, So what they did this yesterday, again, they were, number one, Immigration was trying to make a statement about this. And number two, that they were, uh, again, trying to crack down on what they thought, at least in this particular industry, this was one where people, employers, are more likely to exploit, say, undocumented folks. The statement that uh, the guy in ICE came out and said was that today's actions send a strong message to U.S. businesses that hire and employ an illegal workforce. ICE will enforce the law, and if you are found to be breaking the law, you will be held accountable. Dozens of undocumented workers were apparently arrested during the course of these investigations by immigration, and like I say, they've seized a whole bunch of paperwork, and the the feeling is that there are going to be a number of criminal charges that are going to be coming out against the franchisees 711 for their part and again it's the company and then you buy a 711 franchise the company says um you know they take compliance with immigration laws seriously and they've terminated the franchise agreements of franchisees convicted of violating the law a lot of these stores were in the New York City area in particular. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, obviously, there is something about this type of work that has an appeal to people who are in this country illegally. At the same time, the franchisees um, clearly... I think, see that they have the ability to exploit people who are in this country illegally because this is the type of work that maybe they're willing to look the other way on. All right, I want to tee this up. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Was this an overreaction by immigration? Was a raid like this or raids like these at these 98 different stores over the across the country, was this something that was good? Or should we have allowed it to be business as usual? The reality is that apparently there's a lot of these 7-Eleven stores and these franchises, and I suspect that there's probably a lot of others in the same industry that employ people who are in this country illegally. The result of this is going to be the people who are working are going to get arrested, presumably turned over to immigration for deportation, and the people that are employing them are going to be looking at criminal charges. Should immigration have done this, or should we have just let things keep going on? 414-799-1620 is the number. I will tell you where I come down on this, and we will discuss after the news. It's 1259. It's 108. This is Jeff Wagner. We're right in the middle of our three big things. Story number three. Yesterday, break of dawn, immigration agents raided various 7-Eleven stores all across the country. They are the convenience stores, of course. Um, 7-Eleven's... I'm sure there are probably are some that are owned by the corporation, but in general, these these are franchise operations. You buy a franchise, and you have you have the right to run the Seven Eleven. You pay money. Um, this was a follow up to something that happened three or four years ago, where there were lots of raids of Seven Eleven stores in New York and in Virginia, and they found lots of undocumented slash illegal uh, aliens working at these places. Uh, yesterday. 
a number of people were arrested, books were seized, and it appears that you know these convenience store owners, or at least some that were targeted, were in fact um, looking the other way, shall we say, when it comes to the immigration status of of individuals. These raids have raised this question about whether or not is this an effective use of government resources? I mean, here you have people that are working in an industry where presumably um, they're, they're having trouble finding other people to do these jobs. And so it's something that has an appeal to perhaps people who are in this country um, as immigrants whether legally or or not. And, of course, the issue becomes, hey, if you start arresting people um, and, you know, going through the books of these employers, you know, is there going to be anybody that's going to be willing to work at that convenience store at 2 o'clock in the morning? 414-799-1620. Here, here is my answer to this. I, I do believe that if you're going to spend, if we're going to focus resources on trying to crack down on undocumented aliens slash illegal aliens or whatever, I, I do think you start at the employer level because if you have employers that are looking the other way when it comes to giving people jobs, that that's the first step. Um, so I, I don't fault immigration for doing these raids. I, I do think, though, that, again, this raises the question about if we're going to crack down on this, including the people that are in this country who are working, who are in the country illegally but are working at these jobs, all right, who who is it that is going to do these particular jobs? I mean, where are you going to find the, the guy who's willing to work at the 7-Eleven at 3 o'clock in the morning or at 3 o'clock in the morning at a 7-Eleven in a high-crime area? 414-799-1620. Having said that, I think if you're going to if we're going to be enforcing the immigration laws, this is something that makes a lot of sense to me, targeting some of the employers. And I understand that any employer can be fooled here or there, but if you've got employers that are employing large numbers of people who are undocumented, that tells me you know what is going on and you are exploiting them. 414-799-1620 have an interesting text. Having some insight into the convenience store industry. Many store owners are not trying to exploit immigrants per se, but in the current climate, it is very difficult to find people who are willing to work these jobs. Uber has taken many of the people who used to work at these stores. The draw of being your own boss and working your own schedule for even less money than they can make at a 7-Eleven. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And again, I think this this is one of these interesting aspects when we talk about you know immigration and where the immigration laws you know, need to go what about people who are in this country illegally but who are working and being productive having said that as long as the laws are in the book books i don't i mean i think this is where immigration and where ice should be spending its resources let's focus on the employers because if you choke that off then you, you, you choke off the reason some people wanted to come to this country illegally in the first place. Joe in Appleton. Joe, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. What do you think? You know, I agree with you, and part of the reason I agree is oftentimes these workers are working for cash under the table, which means both the employer and the employee are not paying taxes. Mm-hmm. They're not contributing. Get them out of here. Well, well, right, and identify the employee, and you start by by going after the employers who are or doing that, who have the under the table deals, who aren't asking for the right type of information and that type of stuff. I mean that that's how you go out and enforce the law. 
Exactly. No, th- th- thanks, Nicole. I appreciate it. I mean, that's see that that's kind of where the, this whole thing starts. Now, again, this this sort of begs the question about if you start going after these employers and you start targeting some of these industries that rely on immigrants to do the work, both legal and otherwise, are you going to be able to find people that do the work? You know, are you going to find people to, you know, do the yard work in, in Phoenix, Arizona? Um, are you going to find, if you start cracking down, say, on the dairy industry, are you going to find people who are going to be willing to, you know, milk those those cows if you're, you know, too fine-tuned, you know, checking on the legality or not? And I think that's a fair question, and I leave that to smarter people than me to figure out. But I do believe that as long as the law is the law, I don't fault immigration for saying, okay, let's go after some of these businesses. And, and again, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't get the sense, like with these 7-Eleven raids, they, they weren't they weren't looking for the business that might have been duped, you know, and hired inadvertently, you know, hired the one person who was the friend of the friend. And, you know, maybe there was some question about whether they had a green card. Um, I, I think that, you know, what they're looking for is they're looking for, again, the systematic thing, like when they do, you know, they've done raids in the like meatpacking and poultry industry and things like that. And you go in and you find lots and lots of people who are, in this country working without proper documentation and that tells you that it's not just a one-off type of thing it tells you that it's a business who has decided that this is where they're going to draw their employee base from let's talk to terry in waukesha terry you're on wtmj hello hi jeff thanks for taking my call Uh, i own a business too and i have to pay my people uh, and, and they have to pay taxes they're all documented I mean, it's kind of unfair uh, if they're paying them cash under the table. Uh, I know a lot of businesses do it, but uh, it's, it's unfair. I mean, it's just plain unfair. They should be able to pay taxes, and they got to pay Social Security for their employees and everything else. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not trying to be a real hard kind yeah. of liner, but uh, it, it's only fair. And it's, well, no, because... If they have because to raise I... wages to, to get more people, then they'll have to charge more. I mean, that's just the way business works. Well, well, right, and and you're right. It's not fair. Let's say, let's say that I run the, I, you and I run the Jeff and Terry, the J and T convenience stores in a particular town, and we're competing against the Seven Eleven franchise. And the Seven Eleven franchise is hiring, is knowingly hiring people who are in this country illegally, and they're paying them less money than they should. And you and I are playing by the rules. Well, they end up with this competitive advantage because their their labor costs are you know thousands and thousands. Thousands of dollars less over, you know, every month, you know, and so it's. it's you're right; it's not fair to the people who are playing by the rules. Thank you. That's, no. what, that's the biggest point I wanted to make. If, yeah. if you play by the rules and then other people don't, it's it's hard to compete. Right. Exactly. Now, again, that begs the question, like I say, about you know, should you change the rules? Which I, I do think is this interesting dialogue, I, and we we still. We have allowed politics to get in the way of handling our the immigration problem that we have you know right now depending on who you look at we've talked about these numbers before you know you've got 10 11 million people who are in this country illegally um some are clearly undesirable they're here running drugs they're here committing crimes what let, let let's say that's a million for the sake of argument maybe it's two million maybe it's half a million whatever be, I think we would all agree that the priority needs to be getting those type those people out of the country. But then what do you do with the people 
who are, are here looking for the better life and in large form, you know, doing jobs that they can't find other people to do. Who wants to work at the 7-Eleven at 3 o'clock in the morning for, you know, $7 an hour? I mean, uh, okay, so you find the person that's in this country illegally, they're willing to do it. I mean, the issue we have to wrestle with is, you know, okay, who's going to do that job? If you have to then pay people more money to get them to do that job, what's that going to do to prices? It's this entire thing, and it needs to be taken up in the whole context overall of what we do with people who are illegally in this country. My solution, and again, it's smarter people than me would figure this out. You know, my solution would be that you need to figure out some way of, of again, uh, allowing for permanent, not citizenship, not amnesty, not citizenship, but sort of like a permanent um, resident status, which would, again, separate the criminal element out from the people who are uh, continuing to produce. In any event, no criticism at all from me from these ICE raids. And, and honestly, you know, if you've got 7-Elevens across the country that were looking the other way when it comes to the law, I say shut them down. All right, when we come back. Sam's Club talking about mass closings, including a couple in Wisconsin. What happened? And if you want a little bit more background on this, if you text me the word SAMS, S-A-M-S, plural, S-A-M-S, to 414-799-1620, I'll send you a link to one of the stories about this. Stick around. It's 118. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 122, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Okay, Gru, who's producing the show. This is just between you and me. Don't, don't, don't tell my wife this um, but over the years, over the many years, various women in my life have figured out that when I get annoying, one of the ways that you can deal with me, and I, I admit that life with me is not a day at the beach all the time, one of the ways to deal with me, it used to be you could give me $20 and you could send me off to a Target store and, and I could kill hours Walking through a Target store with twenty dollars. Oh, and this now it, it's kind of changed over the years. But it'd be you take the twenty dollars and you kind of oh a tire a tire gauge ninety nine cents. Well, I don't have one. Not sure I know how to use this, and I don't need it, but it's cool. I'll buy it. And I could just kill an enormous amount of time just you know walking through Target stores. Now Target's gotten a little more pricey, and twenty dollars doesn't go as far as it used to. But but that was kind of I like stores that have stuff in them. I, I I've always had that appeal. Um, my wife Fran. Um, is a big believer in Costco. Now, I, matter of fact, she, I actually bootstrapped on her membership. I have. I got a picture ID. I am now a Costco member. All right. Now, I, I've not been a big Costco shopper, but true story, last Sunday, we took the, we took some of the grandkids bowling. I told that story. And before that, we stopped at the Costco in Menominee Falls. Now, I, I again, if you're a regular listener to this program, you know that me going shopping is kind of like having your tooth drilled without Novocaine. You know, it's just, I just, I don't like shopping. But I, I admit, I have found this experience. My best friend Evan is a member of Costco as well. I walk into Costco and I admit that I, I immediately get mesmerized. It takes me back to those days when I was wandering around the Target store looking for stuff with $20. So we went to Costco with the idea of buying toilet paper and um, paper towels. All right. 300 and some dollars later, we walk out with various types of shelving that we're putting in, in the basement. Matter of fact, my brother-in-law, Franz, came over yesterday and built a couple of these shelves. We're, we're buying shelving. I forget else. Oh, my God. We, I mean, literally, we filled up my car with stuff from Costco. Bottled water, you know, like two bucks for like 40 bottles of water. I, I was we, we filled up a, a, a like one of these like flatbeds 
and a shopping cart. We filled up my car with stuff from Costco. And you know what? There's all sorts of stuff at Costco that I didn't buy, that I I've now have this desire to go back and buy. Like, oh, they had all these, like, replacement toothbrushes for, like, your electric toothbrush. And all. Well, that's kind of cool. I could probably use this. But it maybe just walking up and down the aisle saying, oh, I could use that or I could use that or, or whatever. So I admit I have become, uh, again, you know, born again tough when it comes to like this Costco stuff. I, I can see all this and we'll definitely be going back perhaps as soon as, as Sunday. I, I bring this up because Costco is the nation's largest like discounter like this, like the discount clubs um, as far as volume of stuff sold. Sam's Club, which is Sam Walton, you know, the founder of, of, of Walmart. It's kind of the Walmart equivalent of Costco. Sam's Club, there's more Sam's Clubs. At least there were more Sam's Clubs up until today. Um, but, but Costco did more as far as a volume of business. 506 Costco's in the U.S. and Puerto Rico. Up until today, 660 Sam's Clubs in the U.S. and Puerto Rico. But Costco did more business. But still, there's an enormous number of Sam's Clubs that are out there. And again, it's the same model. You pay money up front, and then you have the right to go shop there, and they have discounts. You know, the Costco model, and I think we talked about this a few months ago, they actually, the business model is they make their money on the memberships. What they find is the people who buy the memberships, there's some of them, there's I forget the numbers exactly. There's 10 or 15% that are heavy users, that are there at Costco all the time. And then there's occasional users. And just like a gym membership, there's a lot of people who pay the money, buy the stuff up front, and then buy the membership up front, and then hardly ever go back a- at all. So they make a bunch of money on, on the memberships. But it is a profitable model. And Sam's Club relied on the same thing. You pay X amount of dollars, then you have the right to go in and you have the right to do the shopping. Um, the story today is that Walmart, with no notice at all, has started closing down Sam's Clubs. Um, uh, now, again, they closed down the one in West Dallas, one in Madison being closed. Employees were given no notification at all. All what Sam's Club says is after a thorough review of our existing portfolio, we've decided to close a series of clubs and better align our locations with our strategy. Closing clubs is never easy, and we're committed to working with impacted members and associates throughout this transition. Now, Sam's Club right now isn't saying how many of these things they're going to close, although I'm looking at a story in Business Insider where they're quoting People who work for Sam's Club who are saying they're told that, that as many as 260 Sam's Clubs may be closing. Now, Sam's Clubs, again, you know, it's not just today, but this is like the overall process. If you were to really close 260 Sam's Clubs, well, you know, that's that's more than a third of the Sam's Clubs that are there. 414-799-1620. I have an open-ended question. What's going on here? What what? Sam's Clubs, just like Costco's, are in many respects, I think, licenses to print money. At least they they were. Obviously, something has gone very, very wrong with the Sam's Club business model. If you are talking about mass closings with no notice at all. So 
what happened here? Is this something unique to Sam's Club, or is this a trend for the future? Does this say something about maybe where Costco is going to go? 414-799-1620, that is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And if you are somebody that's a member at Sam's Club or a member at Costco or some of these others, what what's going on here? We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. I've got some theories as well. It's 128. This is Jeff Wagner. 136, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. I kind of call it the Kmart effect. I mean, I remember when I was younger, you kind of had, you had in, in, the, in the discount shopping thing, you had Kmarts, you had Walmarts, you had Targets. And the, the, the Kmart stores just got ratty. No, no offense, but I, I, they just did. And, you know, you always thought of Walmart kind of cornering the market on the, the really discount stuff and Target being a discount store, but with slightly higher quality than than Walmart. And Kmart just kind of got left by the side. Now, I want to be fair here because it's been a while since that long while since I've been in a Sam's Club. But I always kind of my impression the times I was in Sam's Club was it was sort of like uh, a lower end alternative to Walmart. That, that's kind of the sense I had, that you had to pay $45 a year to be a member of. Costco charges $55, but I will tell you, I, I, I again, I, I'm wandering through Costco last Sunday, and the, there, there was quality merchandise. It, you know, it was cheaper than, I mean, again, you, if you wanted to buy, like, the replacement things for your electric toothbrush, you know, you had to buy the package of 8 or 10 or whatever, and it was 50 bucks. but it was still kind of a good deal. But I went up and down all sorts of aisles, and I'm thinking, oh, I, I could see this. I'm wandering through the liquor department going, oh, this is a pretty good price on wine. I, you know, they didn't have... I mean, they didn't have the breadth of selection of liquor, I mean, as far as, like, different brands that you get. But if you like to drink Jack Daniels Old Number 7, they had it there, and they had it in bulk for a pretty good price. 414-799-1620. I think Costco just – I think Costco has kind of replaced Sam's Club, and I I think – you know, candidly, I guess I'm not surprised to see Sam's Club struggling like this. 414-799-1620. Let's see. Uh, both my wife and I are executive members of Costco, and we have three kids. We live in Elkhorn, and nearly all of our clothes and a large amount of our food comes from Costco. We also have the Costco credit card, and we get nearly $500 back every year. The difference with Costco and Sam's is Costco's is top-shelf merchandise for great prices. We used to be Sam's members and canceled. Costco has a much better game plan and Great customer service. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Vincent on the northwest side. Vincent, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. I, I, you must have felt like a kid in a candy shop. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I'm, and I'm, and I'm, I'm looking at the electronics, and I'm, oh, look at all these different TVs and stuff. And I, I am, I mean, I bought a couple expensive TVs for the house, but I'm looking for, like, a, a cheap, one more cheaper TV. And I'm going, oh, that's, this is a pretty good one. Yes, I was like a kid in a candy store, sir. You're right. <laughs> well, let, let's see after a year how you feel because it's just you and your wife. Yeah. But I think there, there are a couple of problems. One, the millennials aren't having families, and they're, you know, I'm not getting married and having families in order to, to be able to go and, and, and spend that kind of money at Sam's Club. And also, I think the major problem is that the oversaturation of food stores, you know, especially in cities. They just built a new uh, uh, Sam's Club about a year ago on, on 127th off of, of Highway 4145, right across from Woodman, right across from it. And Woodman's is always packed. And I've gone into Sam's Club with a friend, and, and it seems like it's empty. It's just, mm-hmm. it's just halfway empty all the time. And so, but, but the fact is, is that I, I think uh, Costco is a new kid on the block. Right. I think they do have a, a better selection of, of products. 
But the fact is, is that uh, 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 Sam's is just. I, I think the fact is that it's a bad time for them. They're the old school, and it's too many. It's too many groceries. You got you got Myers and everything else right. out there. So. And, and you don't have to pay forty five bucks a year to be a member at at Aldi's or at at Woodman's right. or at these other places that are are actually kind of using that same model of here. You know, come in. You got to buy stuff in bulk, but you know, you're you don't have to pay forty five dollars a year for the privilege of doing that. No, and they're only and, and they're only about ten minutes away from Costco in Menominee Falls. It, it, it's just amazing. I don't see why they all kind of clustered together, but the fact is they are. And so I think that uh, somebody's going to suffer, and I think Sam is suffering. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Vicky in Milwaukee. Vicky, good afternoon. You're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Vicky. I work for the Sam Club in West Dallas. The one that just closed. I did. Yeah. I did. Sorry. So I'm probably going to transfer to another club, but I would say that the main difference between Sam's Club and Costco is Costco does have a lot of higher-end stuff. However, Sam's Club, their big business model was to be uh, in business for small businesses. Right. So we sell different items that small businesses would use. Now, maybe that was a mistake, not, you know, switching over a little bit. But, you know... I just think that ever since I, I worked there when Mr. Sam was alive. Right, right. And when Mr. Sam was alive, it was a lot different. It was more of a people place. Mm-hmm. It was um, just a whole different, different atmosphere. Now that none of the Walton families are really involved in the business, it's just all about all about money. And so they don't really care how they get their money as long as they get their money. Mm-hmm. But And people are not a factor anymore. Every year at this time of year, it's getting towards the end of their fiscal year. So this is when they usually make big-time decisions about their business plan. And every year, in the last several years, I'd say maybe in the last five years, they start eliminating positions that they don't feel they need anymore. And this year, the big rumor was they were going to eliminate the receiving people and all the inventory clerks and everything. And most of those people had long-time associates. 20, 30 years, and their positions are just eliminated. Hmm. And um, so that's just an example of how they don't are, really hold their associates in very high regard. Vicki, are I, you hearing anything internally about how many clubs might be closing? Because they're, they're keeping that pretty close to the vest, although, I mean, some people are saying they're, they're talking about potentially hundreds across the country. Yeah, I have not. I have been off. My daughter has been ill, and so I have been off. So I got a letter, in, not even in the mail. I got a FedEx delivery today with a, huh. a letter in it saying, thanks, but see ya. You, you, had, you had no knowledge, no idea. This, so this kind of completely caught you dumbfounded, huh? Yeah. And wow. the club is closed today, so I'm sure they had some kind of meeting, you know, making some kind of announcement or something like that. And I did get a call from one of the managers and um, in which they read a statement given out by the company. Right. They wouldn't speak to you on a, on a personal level. They just read the statement, and then that was it. So, you know, huh. it doesn't really surprise me, you know, unfortunately, because every year at this time something happens. You just wait for the other foot to drop. So uh, how, many, how many years did you work for them? 20 years. Okay, so you worked for the company for 20 years, and you found out you lost your job by getting a FedEx delivery this morning out of the clear blue. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) 
Thanks for your service. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank, thank, thanks for your service, and here's the number to call. Uh, best Hi. of luck, Vicky. Thanks for sharing the story. I do appreciate it. Best of luck. I mean it. No, thanks. I, I, I guess I, I mean it's. Uh, oh, wow. Can you imagine? I mean, it's this. Oh, there's a FedEx delivery. What's this here? That's a letter. Maybe they're giving me my my Christmas bonus just a little bit late. Oh, you're you're gone. And I and I I understand the, the business of this, but at the same time, you, you would have thought. I don't know. You, you would have thought maybe given as much money as as Walmart, and that's Sam's Club is you know Walmart. Given as much money as Walmart makes, you would have thought that maybe you could have at least a little a little slower glide path. You know, okay, we're 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 making a decision to close the store, and and the West Dallas store is an underperforming one, and there's all this competition or whatever. So we're going to be closing in 30 days, or we're going to be closing in 60 days, or something like that, just to give people a little notice. Instead of here, I got the FedEx letter. You're, you're terminated after 20 years, huh? Jim in Kenosha. Jim, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, how you doing, Jeff? Good. What do you think? Well. I work for a competitor, not Costco, okay. but um, uh, it is a big box store that is recently opened in the area. Meyer. Yeah. Okay. Right. <laughs> Sorry, didn't mean to put you on the spot, but okay. I was trying to think. I was trying to go through the list. Okay. Got well, it. I don't know if I'm violating a company policy oh. by saying that or not, but um, <laughs> okay. Well, that, we'll keep that just between us, Jim. You work okay. for a big That's box true. retailer. Okay. Got it. <laughs> um, I, I happen to be in the meat department. I'm a meat cutter, and I've been doing it for a long time, and. Um, Meyer's pricing on our meats is right there with Sam's Club, but you don't have to buy a right membership package. Right, and um, you know, as far as uh, my wife and I, we do have a Costco membership. Mm-hmm. Um, it's through her work, and we we go there and shop. It's just her and I. Kids are grown and gone, and I'm a grandparent now. And uh, for me to buy a ten pound box of egg rolls, well, gee, they're really great, but yeah, it's a 10-pound box it? of egg rolls. Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, Costco, I've bought in, you know, lots of stuff there. Uh, you know, long underwear, socks, uh, this, that, the other thing. But, you know, as far as, you know, foods go, well, it's bulk pack. Gee, I really don't need that. But other things I've, I've bought there, and, and like you were saying, they put on the class. I mean, we'll go yeah. there. Uh, oh, let's go, let's go to Costco and then go to lunch. We'll go to Costco. <laughs> and it's like, God, we don't got to go to lunch anymore. Well, I, I, I went in there hungry. I had I had not eaten, and it was going to be a while before we ate. And so I, I'm literally, I'm walking through the, the up up and down every aisle. Oh, they, they have cheese and crackers. Oh, this is the turkey here. I, I mean, oh, yeah. I, I, I had lunch there. On the, and and I, they got their money's worth out of me because I bought a lot of stuff there. Now, thanks. Yeah. To, I mean, I, no, I, I, think, I think you are on to something. I mean, part of it is if especially for foods and things like that, you, you've got the, these big discount retailers that are out there that you don't have to pay the membership for. So are you really getting that much better a deal at a Sam's Club, say, than you are at a Myers or an Aldi's or or Woodman's or, or where, wherever? Um, so you've got that dynamic going on, and you don't have to pay the membership. Plus, there is kind of the quality issue. And again, I want to be fair to Sam's Club because I haven't been there for years and years. But I, I just, as I'm walking through this Costco, there there are there are high end products that i i would buy okay i i'll use the example again of the electric toothbrush i have um my wife bought me thank you dear dear i mean she she bought me a high end electric toothbrush okay so these are the replacement toothbrush things for that and again it's it's a substantial you know 
in downstroke if you're going to buy the replacement things. But I mean, it, it's not like something junky. If you need them, you know, you got to buy a bunch of them, but you know that you're going to have them for the next few years because you're going to have the toothbrush for another few years. It, it was, I, I think, again, Sam's Club to me became kind of like, I, it was sort of a Kmartization of that. Like Kmart, I think, kind of got downgraded. And I and I, I feel horrible for people like Vicky who after 20 years or, you know, lose their job with just a letter, a FedEx envelope in the mail as opposed to, you know, some sort of a, announcement. And I, I think that's a legitimate beef as, as well as to the way that you would handle this. You would think that you'd have a longer glide path. Don't know how many of these stores are closing. Like I say, Sam's Club is not announcing the number. Some of the things I'm looking at say you're talking about a couple hundred, but that, that hasn't been verified yet. Um, but just it is kind of the, the – it raises questions about kind of like the future of shopping. As for me, um, I'm becoming more and more of a Costco guy when it comes to some stuff. It's 148. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 151, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. With arbitration right around the corner, the Brewers are beginning to piece together the roster – what new faces are already in the fold? Greg Matzik dives in on the Brewers Weekly. That's tonight starting at 8 p.m. here on WTMJ. Brewers producing the show. I understand business is tough, but that call from Vicky bothers me. It just it just works works for Sam's Club for 20 years. And Sam's Club, which it's not like a little teeny tiny restaurant. I mean, I, okay, I, I understand sometimes these businesses get into situations where all of a sudden you just can't afford to keep the doors open anymore. It, it's just, okay, we, you know, we, we just, we're, we're hemorrhaging money and we can't make payroll next week, so we have no choice but to close abruptly. That is not Walmart. That is not the Walmart situation. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Screw says a lot of jobs. I mean, so that that's not Walmart. Walmart is not hemorrhaging money. Walmart is rolling in the dough. Now, there may be, maybe their profit margins aren't as great as they want, and maybe they've got some underperforming stores. I get underperforming stores, and I understand sometimes you have to make these tough choices, but that call bothers me because here, here you have a woman, and I'm sure her story isn't unique. I mean, she worked for this place for 20 years. 20 years, an employee at Sam's Club, and they decide without any notice to anybody, anybody, to close that Sam's Club and tens, maybe hundreds of others across the country, you know, suddenly. And she gets a letter delivered by she, – she, she's off sick or taking care of her sick daughter or whatever she said the story was. So she's at home. She gets a FedEx letter delivered saying, thank you, you're being terminated. We're closing the store. And she's not being terminated because anybody alleges that she did anything wrong or she stole stuff or anything. She's just being terminated uh, because they're closing the store with no notice, no going out of business sale, no glide path for the for the employees to say, OK, we're going to be you know, we're we're going to be closing, going out of business sale. You know, we'll be closing in 60 days or, or whatever and giving the employees a chance. I understand. Look, I understand business. I, I get it. But there's just something that bothers me about that. And I have never, ever, ever been a fan of Walmart. I, I just, I haven't for a lot of different reasons. And I, I don't fault people who shop at Walmart. And I, I get the idea that, you know, for a lot of people, the, the difference between buying the Blu-ray disc player and not buying the Blu-ray disc player is the fact that you can save $25 to do it. I, I understand that. I never fault people who shop at Walmart. But, you know, there's something about this that just leaves a bad taste in my mouth. When you have... 
a business that makes money, that really has a license to print money, and they decide that with no notice at all, they're going to close stores and just lay off people like Vicky. Just, and I guess I'm sure she's entitled to unemployment and that type of stuff, but really, you work at a place for 20 years, they're doing just fine, the company is doing just fine. Is it really too much to expect them to get a little bit of notice for that? Sorry, it just kind of bothers me, the whole the whole sort of thing. And I get corporate America, and I understand it's cold and it's cruel and it's heartless, and I understand that she's an at-will employee and that you're not no, you've got no guarantee for the job. But still, really? I, I mean, come on. You'd like to think that Sam Walton is perhaps rolling over in his grave, that whoever it is that's running Walmart would do crap like that. Just saying. Now, I guess you could have said they could have done it the week before Christmas, so maybe we should be happy that they waited till you know, January 10th or whatever. But, um, no. It just kind of bothers me. It's 155, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. I'm looking at my producer, Gru. I just, I, you know, I've, I've been thinking about this next topic. This is going to be one when I get done in about an hour or so after the, what we've been discussing in the course of the day, my blood pressure is just going to be through the roof. I, I understand that. I don't, don't take any treatment for blood pressure medicine. And I, I apologize if we're talking about different topics that are just kind of aggravating. And yeah, that, that's, this is just a, a another one. Um, they, they call it the Washington Monument Theory. It's where, and people of both, poli- of both political parties practice it, but particularly the left. It's, it, it's when you need to make a budget cut, and what you do, when you don't want to do that, you decide to, let's try to cause the most harm we possibly can by making the budget cut, because then maybe we'll get people so outraged about this that they'll say, okay, well, we're willing to have higher taxes. Because, uh, you know, you, you see this Racine Unified School District. Let me give you some institutional memory. They went through a period of time where it seemed like every three or six months, every six months, they would have a school referendum. They, they, we, we want more money to spend this or that. Or the others. And the voters kept saying no. And then they kept coming back over and over again. And all you need to do is win once. Well, after losing several times, here's what the school board said. This was a number of years ago. They said, all right, here's what we're going to do. If you don't give us this referendum, we're going to do away with all sports. No, no high school football, no high school basketball, no programs. And, of course, you know, then people rallied. Oh, well, this is terrible. I played high school football down in Racine or my kid plays, but we can't have this. And they ended up, you know, selling this bill of goods to voters, and they finally got their referendum passed. They didn't say, hey, if you don't pass this referendum, we're going to have to lay off three or four assistant administrators who each make $135,000 a year. They didn't say that because if they did, people would say, well, why do you have so many administrators making $135,000 a year? It's the Washington Monument theory of, of budgeting. It's like if you don't increase taxes to keep the government running, we're closing the Washington Monument. Oh, my gosh, this is terrible. You've got all these school groups that are coming to D.C. They're going to visit the Washington Monument. It's going to be closed. How can you do that? Whereas if you said, oh, my God, we've got all these different people that are working in all these different positions for the federal government. We don't know what two-thirds of them do, and a whole bunch of them are making $180,000 a year. 
If we got rid of a couple of them, we'd get all the money we need, but we don't want to do that. We can't make these cuts, so we're going to close the Washington Monument and, and generate attention. That is playing out in Milwaukee County. Milwaukee County Executive Chris Abley, big-time lefty. Um, Abley is, of course, in a, an ongoing battle with the Milwaukee County Board. And as I've said before, you, you, if you two entities, an individual entity that, that deserve each other, Chris Abley and the County Board just deserve each other. And it's just it's one of those situations where you never know who to root for in a particular dispute because chances are almost they're always going to be wrong. But Chris Abley has decided that if you live in Milwaukee County, you do not pay enough for the privilege of keeping your car here. You will remember two years ago he came out with this inane idea to put in a $60 wheel tax, which would be on top of what you pay if you live in the city of Milwaukee and would be on top of the state registration fee that you have to pay. Well, all right, there, there was a huge outrage about that. We had a referendum. The wheel tax got shot down. The county board gave Abley half a loaf. They, they gave him a $30 wheel tax. A $30 wheel tax, which generated millions and millions of dollars. And it's a very regressive tax. It applies to everybody. By that, I mean it hits the poor uh, disproportionately harder than it hits the rich. But they gave him a $30 wheel tax. Not happy with the $30 wheel tax, Abley said, "I I want $60. You need to double it. It's only been around for one year. You need to double it. And the county board overwhelmingly said, no, we're we're not going to double that. And Abley said, all right, if you don't double it, I'm going to be closing the Washington Monument. Now, he didn't exactly say that, but he said, I'm going to be closing things that are going to hurt. Abley didn't say, I'm going to get rid of my highly paid chief of staff. Uh-uh. I'm going to get rid of one or two of the people that work in my office to save money. He didn't say that. He said, I am going to start cutting things, but not cutting things that affect me. The Schultz Aquatic Center, and it's named after uh, David Schultz, who was um, a very, very flamboyant figure. He was county executive for, I believe, just one term, you know, before Tom Amitt and all. The, the David Schultz Aquatic Center is located in Lincoln Park. Lincoln Park is um, Glendale slash Milwaukee. It's um, the, the Aquatic Center itself is on the corner of Green Bay and Hampton, if you can kind of picture that. Lincoln Park is a... Now, there's a nine-hole golf course that's there. There's some trails and stuff. They've got basketball courts. Lincoln Park, it, it's it's sort of a challenging area. I don't want to say it's a high-crime area because I don't think it is. But it's it, it's a very – it's a racially mixed area. And um, the, the park – I mean, I grew up in Glendale, okay? So, I mean, I, I've, been, I've been around Lincoln Park for decades and decades and, and decades. Um, so it, it's an area that attracts a lot of people in the summer. But one of the big things that really, I think, kind of turned around Lincoln Park – was in 2008 and 2009, they they took what, I, I think there used to be a pool there, I don't even remember, but, but they took what was like a crappy pool or nothing, and they turned it into the David Schultz Aquatic Center. It used to be the Lincoln Park Aquatic Center, now it's named after Dave Schultz. Um, and it, it's one of only two public pools on the north side. Um, it's, it's, really, it's really nice. Um, they offer... 
low-cost access. It is affordable to people that can't afford to belong to, like, the country clubs or, or can't afford the memberships at the places that, you know, have have pools, um, like the private clubs. Um, it's it's very close. It's used by residents from the north side, but also Glendale, Whitefish Bay, Shore. Like I say, it's a very, very diverse group. It, it's interesting in that fashion. And it's a huge success. During the summer, you drive past that that area. And, you know, one of the ways I sometimes go home when I, I'm, I'm moving, but one of the ways I would go home to my, my house on the North Shore is you'd go through Lincoln Park. You know, if you're coming from the West, you go through Lincoln Park. And it seems to me they always had people there. Um, it's just that's my informal setting uh, sense. So the, this David Schultz Aquatic Center is, is one of the things that they do pretty well. You know, it's a meeting place. It's a good thing. Chris Abley, because he did not get his $60 wheel tax, he only got a $30 wheel tax, has said, you have left me no choice, and I am telling you in advance, I am now going to close the David Schultz Aquatic Center. Now, let me also back up. Um, less than 10 years ago, to build it, to develop it, to get it what it is now, those of us who are taxpayers in Milwaukee County shelled out millions, M as in millions of dollars, to build this. The operating budget, and I'm willing to be corrected on this, but I think I'm right, it's two hundred and thirty some thousand dollars to to operate it for for a season, and obviously the taxpayers the the money that they generate from the pool passes and things like that doesn't cover all that cost um we you know we we end up the taxpayers in Milwaukee county end up supporting that to an extent rather than say getting rid of a position or two on his staff, Chris Abley has decided that he's going to close the David Schultz Aquatic Center for the summer. He's going to close it because he says, I I have no choice. And now, you know, there's this petition that's there, you know, thousands of people who are saying, no, well, don't close that. And Abley's response is, well, I have no choice. It's the evil county board. They didn't let me get that extra 30 bucks I wanted on the wheel tax, so now I have to close this aquatic center. All right. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Let me be real clear here. What the county executive is talking about sucks. There's just no nice way to say it. It sucks. There is no reason at all. This is one of these facilities that is a success. It is something that works in Milwaukee County. It is something that is good for all the people that live in that area. And it actually attracts, like I say, a very, very diverse group. There... This idea that you didn't give me my wheel tax, so I'm going to be so petty that I am going to close this facility so people aren't going to have a place to go and swim in the summer is appalling. There is no way that this facility should be closed. There is no way that the county executive should be allowed to get away with doing this. And let me be even more clear here. One of the reasons I believe that Abley is targeting this particular location is because the, the chairman of the county board, Theo Lipscomb, and I, I, I have no love lost for Theo Lipscomb. He represents Glendale. This is in his district. So I think this is a particularly a particularly nasty thing to do because I think there's politics to this as well. And I don't think the county executive should be able to get away with it. And I don't think he should be able to sell you a bill of goods saying, I have no choice. I didn't get my $60 wheel tax. So now poor kids on the northwest side of Milwaukee, you got nowhere to go to swim. Shame on Chris Abley, 414-799-1620. 
That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Shame, shame, shame on Chris Abley. If you need to get the $232,000, like I say, get rid of your policy analyst. Move your, your chief of staff. Figure out a couple ways to do it, but don't close this facility. Let's start with Clark in Glendale. Clark, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. I, I, uh, I know uh, Theo Lipscomb's our alderman. And right. His district covers that. County supervisor, uh, yeah. County supervisor. covers that aquatic center, and that's the main reason why Abley is going after that aquatic center, because uh, Theo's been a thorn in Abley's side for a while. And butts head with them a lot, and I guarantee you that's why he's going after the aquatic center. Yeah, well, right, e- e- exactly. This it, it has the dual purpose of saying, "Hey, I'm I'm a spoiled child. I didn't get my sixty dollar wheel tax, exactly. so now I'm going to punish people. I'm going to close something that that people want. And if it has the byproduct of being able to stick it to one of my political opponents, who I spent a whole bunch of money, my own money, running ads yeah. against, even better. Blame Theo Lipscomb. Well, I don't I think that's fair. Yeah, absolutely. And Theo's not even running for county executive, and Abley's been going after him, which I don't understand. Well, I mean, th- because the, the county board, and believe me, it pains me to defend the county board, but the county board has been bucking Chris Abley on this wheel tax thing. So this is this idea. Let's see if we can hurt as many people as possible. Okay, four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Uh, look, if you don't live in that area. I mean, I understand. Maybe you say, why, why do we care if this pool gets closed down? You know, who cares about that? It doesn't affect me. I've never been to the Lincoln Park pool or anything. I don't tend to go. But but that's there is a larger issue here. And it is when politicians like Chris Abley decide to use this type of strategy, we're going to pick something that is popular and you don't give us our tax increases, we're going to close it down. And the question is, are people going to put up with that? I hope the answer is no. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Back with more in just a minute. 221, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 223, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. I'm trying to think, is it is it Noise Park that might be the only other pool, public pool, on the on, on the north side? Um, might be another one, but I think maybe that's it. But now let's see. You know, it's interesting. Our, our text line has exploded with this story. Um, you know, I mean, here's one of the texters. It said that, you know, um, let's see. Abley is trying to use the same tricks schools use. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Proposed to eliminate popular programs like band, athletics, etc. The voters are on to this. Well, I don't know if they are or not. I mean, but I, I, I get this. This is this idea that you didn't give me my tax increase that I want. So here's what I'm going to do. I am going to take a successful county operation, this pool, that really, okay, $232,000 is a lot of money. I, I understand that in the real world. But at the same time, in the scope of the Milwaukee County budget, okay, $232,000 is probably two. Two aides to Chris Abley, you know, and, and so the idea is let's take something that's popular. Let's take something that has appeal and is used by people from various socioeconomic groups and mixed race. You know, so this is something that, you know, people who are it's not just something that affects the minority community. You know, let's let's go after this and let's try to see how much harm we possibly can cause. And if we happen to be able to punish one of our political opponents while we're doing while we're doing it all, all the better. And I guess the question becomes, are people going to put up with this and will you put up with somebody? who does stuff 
like this. And, and maybe people are on to this. I, I don't know. You know, maybe people are on to this. Um, you know, this is one of these situations where, candidly, I, I think if I were the county executive and I was members of the county board, what I would be doing when I'm looking at, at trying to rein in out-of-control spending, and, of course, this is the same Milwaukee County who's still hamstrung by, you know, backdrop pension payments where assistant district attorneys can retire after 30-some years, walk away with $800,000 in cash and almost sixty grand a year continuing in pension payments. Just kind of mind-boggling. But what I would do is I would look at things and say, all right, what works, what doesn't work? And then identify the stuff that doesn't work and then start talking about closing that or getting rid of that. This David Schultz Aquatic Center, the big pool that they've got in Lincoln Park, that works. That's something that, you know, works. Um, This one doesn't. 414-799-1620. It's just one of these things that's mind-boggling. All right, 226, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. We'll be back in just a moment. 228, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, Vote Bucks. NBA All-Star voting takes place uh, for just a few more days, and Giannis leads LeBron in the race for the top Eastern Conference vote-getter. How cool is that? Help him pad his leave and vote for your other favorite Bucks through a link available now in the Features tab of WTMJ Mobile's app. It is still 52 degrees here. It's still 52, and I understand the bottom is going to fall out about that, and we're going to have freezing rain and things like that, but 52 degrees January, what, January 11th? I, I mean, I'll take that. Going to get cold for a couple days, and then 10-day forecast, we're supposed to be back up into the 30s by the end of next week and next weekend. So um, there is kind of like light at the end of the tunnel. This is through mid-January, and pretty soon we're into February, and then it's Brewers baseball, and we are all set here. Hey, I have a text on this thing we've been talking about for the last 20 minutes, and I do want to caution you. To, to not be sucked in. Here's the text. Jeff, I drive truck in this county. If it comes down to streets being repaired or a swimming hole at Lincoln Park, I will take the streets before the streets become a swimming hole. Okay, so that that's the idea. But see, this is the problem, Jim. You get sucked into this rhetoric that you get from the politicians. Oh, my gosh, if I don't have this money, if I don't get this wheel tax, I, I've got to... It, you, you've got to choose. I, the, the, the streets are going to just go to you know where. Um, the streets are going to be just awful. And so since you haven't given me more tax dollars, we've got to close the pool. Well, the, the truth is, no, I don't accept that premise. The truth is there's all sorts of ways that you can come up with money that you can afford to not only fix the streets, but also, all right, keep a popular, uh, again, aquatic center open. This idea that, oh, my gosh, if you don't give us more taxes, we're just not going to be able to do it. I don't buy into that. Start again by perhaps getting rid of a policy analyst or two. Just use that money to keep the park open. Just saying. 235, Jeff Weck, WTMJ. All right, let's switch gears a little bit. I I went through a period of time, Drew, who's producing the show, where I, I kind of felt it wasn't my fault, but I sort of felt like I was the Grim Reaper. Um, I went to a series of, of shows Actually, at, at Potawatomi, the, the Potawatomi Casino, their 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 showroom is is very very good. Um, and I went through a series of shows, and after the shows, the people I saw died. It was, it was just okay. Levon Helm, who was the the drummer for the band, you know the the Bob Dylan thing, um, and just just a, a great performer. I I I love I love the band. I love Levon Helm's music. He's perhaps 
he, he was also an actor. He was, if you remember the show Coal Miner Daughter, the, the movie with Sissy Spacek, he played her father, you know, in, in the movie. But, okay, so, so LeVon Helm had been, you know, fighting cancer, and he was still touring. You know, he was touring with his daughter and his son-in-law in a band, and, and I, hadn't, I hadn't seen LeVon Helm in person for decades, I, you know. And so I, I went and I saw the show at Potawatomi, and, and, and you could tell he was, he was really struggling. And he ended up passing away not that like I want to say like, like two months after he was a Potawatomi. So then, but you could tell he was struggling, and he was. So then, um, a dear friend of mine, um, his name is Sue, and Sue and her husband Jim saw that Don Rickles was coming to Potawatomi, and we that she had never seen Don Rickles before, and, and we went, and I, I I'd never seen Don Rickles in person as well, and. It was, it was tough because he was really, really struggling. And I understand that the guy, that the guy is, is legendary and you, and you love him and, and it's kind of like, okay, he's an icon. I got a chance to see an icon, but it, it was, it was tough. It was just one of those where clearly he, he probably should have, now nobody made me buy tickets, but he probably, you know, should have, should have stopped performing he, he was struggling but you got to see him you know and he ended up passing away then um greg allman saw greg allman at at potawatomi and he he died last last may it, it's, it's like i say i kind of feel like the, the grim reaper but i mean greg allman was okay i mean he he didn't he did not you knew he was sick as well but um i, I mean i hadn't seen his show in 25 or 30 years but you know, he, 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 you didn't, I didn't realize he was quite perhaps as sick as he was. Now, I was thinking about all these things because there, but in all those cases, in all honesty, I, I'm kind of kicking myself in some respects for going to the show because I, I have this one image of these performers back when they were young and they were heyday in the heyday. And now when I think of Don Rickles or I think of LeVon Helm in particular, I'm going to remember these last shows. And, and they were, y- you love to see them and you love to give them this kind of tribute, but at the same time, they, they they were they were ill. I, I was thinking about this because I am a huge Willie Nelson fan. I understand Willie Nelson is an old reprobate, you know, dope smoker and stuff. But Willie Nelson is American outlaw country music, and I have been a Willie Nelson fan. Oh, I don't know since the since the mid seventies. You know, Waylon and Willie and the boys. I'm a huge Willie Nelson fan, and I've seen Willie Nelson in concert on many many uh, occasions. And um, Willie's going to be eighty five in April, and I, I bring this up because um, he was playing in San Diego the other night, and maybe you saw the stories. Apparently, he, they start off every Willie Nelson concert with Whiskey River, and he starts playing Whiskey River, and then goes into like a coughing fit. Um, in the begin- can't get through that song, and they, they usher him off the stage, and they, they've now you know canceled at least a portion of the the concert um, of the concert tour that he was doing. Um, the publicist says he had either a bad cold or the flu. Um, he's going home. Um, they're going to cancel the remainder of the shows scheduled for January. He was supposed to perform in Palm Springs and Las Vegas and Laughlin. Um, and they say, well, that it's just it's due to illness, but they expect that he's going to be back out on, on the road. But he's going to be 85 in, in April. And, and you do get you, you get to a point where you sit there and you say, OK, and, and I'm really kind of wrestling with this because I, I love the Willie Nelson shows. But you, you sit there and you kind of wrestle with the idea that when you remember people I don't know when they were younger, not necessarily young, 
but you know it in their prime and and the truth of this is you know when when people especially you get hit by you know some of these terrible illnesses levon you know helm was fighting cancer um you know when when clearly you you have people who be, because of age or infirmity or illness are are kind of not what what they were at one point in time it, it's sort of like do, do you still want to go see the show or do you want to remember them as they were? 414-799-1620. That's the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You know, again, nobody makes you buy the tickets. So, I mean, I understand that's a choice. And, and I think a lot of these performers, they love to perform. That's their life. And so, you know, they're, they're going to die on stage. That, that's, that's the goal. I mean, they're, they're not going to stop as long as people want to see them. The flip side of this is that Candidly, there are some shows that I have been to over the course of the last couple of years where I almost wish I, I didn't go because on the one hand, it was a chance to see a legend, but you saw the legend when they were really kind of through no fault of their own, but just kind of a, a shell of of what I remembered them being. And that's kind of the image that sticks in your mind. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Have, have you been through this? And are there shows that perhaps you went to that, you, in, in retrospect, you, you regret doing? You know, you're glad you saw him. I always want to see this guy but or this gal or, or whatever. But you know what? It's just father time catches up to all of us. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's two forty two. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Two forty four. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Again, I, it, I look. I Willie Nelson's going to be eighty five, and you know, hopefully, he, he walked off the stage the other night, coughing fit, and they they canceled all the shows in January, and they say he's just got the flu or a cold, which of course you know it happens to. To, to everybody, but I was thinking, he's 85 years old, I was thinking of some of the shows that I've seen recently in the last couple of years where I, I go to see the performer, and, and in, in many of those cases, you knew the performer was, was sick. They were fighting you know, some disease or something like that, and then they ended up passing away. Somebody sends me a text, please don't come to see my band. I, I don't necessarily think it's me, but it is interesting. I kind of walked away think, thinking, you know, I, I almost wish I didn't go to the show because, well, you, you could tell that they, they just... They, they weren't at the top of their game. Julie in Kenosha. Julie, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, Jeff. How are you? Very well, thank you. I don't have a cold or the flu. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, me either. Um, I saw Barry Manilow a few years ago out in Las Vegas, and it was same thing you're saying. You know, it was one of those situations where, you know, I always loved him, you know, great voice, and then I saw him later in his career and it just wasn't what I remembered, not what I want to remember. Yeah, and, and again, you know, the one hand, you know, you, you can't expect somebody, I mean, I don't know how Barry, old Barry Manilow is, probably in his 70s, on the one hand, you, you can't expect him to be like he was at 25 years old, but a lot of times it's just kind of like, oh, boy, maybe that person should have kind of hung it up. <laughs> Yep, absolutely. Yeah, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Let's see. Um, for Christmas, my granddaughter gave me Johnny Mathis tickets for May when he's in Milwaukee. He's 82. I'm curious what that show will be like. Um, again, you know, it, what really struck me, again, LeVon Helm, um, it, it's just, and, and I knew he had been sick. He'd been very, very sick, and he passed away two months after I saw the show. Um, but you could just, I mean, he was having trouble walking, you know, and, and, and on the one hand, this is this incredible institution. On the other hand, that's going to be my 
you know, that's going to be my recollection of this. And, and Don Rickles, um, when, when I saw him at Potawatomi, it was, I mean, I remembered this like acid tongue comedian stuff and he was, he was really struggling. He just, he just was. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Joanne in Brookfield. Joanne, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, Jeff. How are you? I am well, thank you. Okay. Have you, have you been through this? Have you seen this with like maybe one of the, your teen idols or something like that? Um, I was madly in love with Jerry Puckett. He was the most romantic singer there ever had been when I was in my teenage years. Gary Puckett in the Union Gap. I remember that. Sure. And Gary Puckett came by himself, not with the Union Gap, to stay there not too long ago, and my husband took me to see him. Um, Very disappointed. No heart melting, no heart pounding. It was just like, wow, he's old. Uh, yeah, right. And, and we all get old. I mean, I, I get that. It's just kind of like, and, and nobody made you and your husband, you know, go to the show. No. But it's just kind of like sometimes that's now going to be your image. What, what was Gary Puckett's big song in like the late 60s? What, what was, what well, was their big song? Woman. Woman, right. Yeah. Right, right. And, I mean, he was just, he would force that out and it was just so romantic and my heart would melt. <laughs> You know, just all warm and fuzzy, and there was no warm and fuzzy. Yeah, it was like, right. It was like, who is that? And of course, you know, he's probably thinking the same thing, looking out at the audience, going, "Where, where did all these old people come that are going to the show now? What happened to all the screaming teenage girls?" So, it, it's it's probably. I mean, th- th- I saw. Um, I saw Fleetwood Mac a few years ago at Summerfest. Not the, it was a few years ago, and I remember looking around the 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 crowd, thinking. I'm the youngest person in this crowd. <laughs> you know what it was like. You, you know, you've got the you got the older guys with the the gray ponytails and stuff. You know, bald but with the ponytails, and you're kind of going, "Oh gosh, what what happened to us all? Where did where did this go?" Jerry in Bayview. Jerry, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Hi I have to tell you. So, I actually, this is from the late '60s when I saw both of them in early '70s, The Young Rascals and The Zombies. So, I saw both recently. And one group really showed their age, and one was outstanding. The Zombies, I just seen them recently at Summerfest, and I saw them again, and they just, boy, oh, boy, did they show their age. <laughs> but, 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 but very recently, I saw Felix Cavalieri of the Rascals, and he was better than ever. He was so outstanding. It was incredible. Yeah, it, it, so, isn't it interesting? Right. It, it, no, th- next, I mean, and that you, just, you just never know what you're going to get. When, uh, when my wife and I were in Las Vegas in April, we saw... Uh, we saw Rod Stewart, and I caught Rod Stewart on a bad night. And now he he had a cold or something, but he was he was really struggling. And it, you know, we, we, he was playing, he was doing that residence thing at, at Caesars. And uh, but I, I will say, still, you know, it was worth it to hear him play Maggie May. That's the ringtone on my cell phone. I mean, it was worth it to, to hear him play that. But but he was really struggling. Now he admitted, he said at the beginning that he just wasn't feeling well. So, you know, maybe that was kind of a one-off type of thing. Now it's interesting. Our text line has exploded on this, and um, uh, Bob Seeger is mentioned as both. Gee, we saw the show, and he really is showing his age. And gee, we saw the Bob Seeger show, and it's really great. Um, so you, you just never know exactly how that's going to all break down. And again, I, I don't fault as long as people are willing to pay money to go see the the shows. I, I don't fault it, but I, I do, I do find myself always torn when these shows come out between. All right, do I do I want to see somebody just because they're an icon and I love their music and this might be the last chance I get to to see them because you know, what 
once you start, you know, once you hit 85 years old, like Willie is going to be in April, you know, how, how many more, you know, how many more trips around the sun are you going to have? Um, how many more, how long is he going to tour? So on the one hand, you say, do you want to go out and you want to see that show versus the flip side of this, which is kind of like, well, you know, the, the person is an icon, and even if, even if they're not what they were in 1978, you still get a chance to see an icon. Always kind of wrestle with those two things. We're back with more in just a couple minutes, and we're going to have John McCure and Melissa Barkley in. We'll find out what they have on their minds as well, so please stick around. It's 2.51. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ.